0: Well, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, we have extra Bibles. Be glad to let you use one of ours. Hold up your hand real high. The ushers look around and, and use one of our Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. The Bible said in verse 12, as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is the body of Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Well, sure, it's of the body. It's just as important as the hand. If the ear would say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it, therefore, not of the body? That's totally wrong thinking. One part's just as important as the other part. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? There wouldn't be any. If the whole were hearing, where's the smelling? It wouldn't have any. But now... Has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased Him? Do you believe that? Yes. Are you a member yes. in the body of Christ? Have you been baptized into the body of Christ yes. by the Holy Spirit of God? Yes. Have you been made to drink yes. <laughs> of that same Spirit? Yes. Oh yeah, yes you have. Then you have been placed into the body of Christ. Well, God has placed, set the members, how many of them? Not the majority of them, every one of them, He has set them in the body, not as somebody thought good or somebody wanted or desired, but as it has pleased Him. So the title of our series has been Graces and Places. And we went over numerous scriptures in Romans, in First Corinthians, in Ephesians, in First Peter, that said, "Every one of us has been given grace. every one of us. Do you believe that? Say, I have a set place in the body of Christ." I've been given specific grace and gifts. To enable me, to, enable me to, be that body part. to be that body part. Is it important that you find out what you are yes. and what your grace is? Yes. Now, we've uh, the Lord's helped us. We've covered a lot of ground already. I'll review just a little bit. But if you haven't been with us, you're coming in after a lot of groundwork has been laid. So go back in the Word Supply and And get some CDs or DVDs. If you're watching my internet, download it. It won't cost you anything for free. And take the time and make the effort to get into this. Because life is short. And you need to find out now. Where you're supposed to be. What you're supposed to be doing. And get to it. Because in a few days we're going to all be out of here. We do not have time to waste. We talked about that. Like we said, every one of us has been given grace. Every one of us has been given gifts. And these are divinely appointed, not self-assumed. It's not up to us to decide what we want to be. It's up to us to seek out and discover what we're already ordained to be. And we talked about how to find and fill your place. We talked about. That the very time in which we were born and the places in which we were born and grew up and have lived, the Lord's had a hand in molding us and shaping us. He could have had us born in uh, 1909 or 1809 or 1709. Why now? Don't you believe it's just happenstance? It's just random. No, the scripture says God has determined the borders and the times and places for men. And uh, these locations and these associations of the people he's put us with help us to identify what we are and what we're supposed to do. We said also the call and desire your desire if you'll pay attention to it in your heart will pull you towards it and God is working in you both to will and do of all his good pleasure his desire will be manifested in you we said also that the ease with which you can do a thing and how quickly you can develop expertise in an area is an indicator of what you are how many know an eye can pick up seeing just like that but could go to school on hearing for three decades and just not seem to get it. (laughs) So whatever you are, if you're pursuing it, you will begin to pick that up with ease. What other people find challenging and difficult, it just comes quickly. You might say, well, it just comes natural to me. Really, it's not so much natural. It's supernatural. But some graces you're born with. And you see people in the world that don't even believe in God using the gifts to make themselves a star or seek prestige or try to make money when they're supposed to be using that to glorify God and advance the kingdom of God. Ease and expertise, we said. And we said that in developing it, you have to seek for it, look for it. You have to separate yourself to it. If you're going to develop, no matter what kind of natural ability an athlete may have, if they don't practice, if they don't give themselves to it, they'll never develop to their full potential now, will they? And even though God's put something in you that's wonderful and amazing, if you don't practice, if you don't give yourself to it, if you let your life be full of a bunch of other stuff and you ignore it, then you could live and die and never develop in it. And then you got to be faithful. I want you to uh, go with me to Romans, please. Romans 11 and 29. It says, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. The Amplified translation says, uh, for God's gifts and his calls are irrevocable. And that word, best I could tell, is a very accurate description. That word irrevocable very aptly describes the Greek word. Irrevocable. Everybody say irrevocable. Irrevocable. And the Amplified amplifies. It says, He never withdraws them when once they are given, and He does not change His mind about those to whom He gives His grace or to whom He sends His call. God does not change His mind. He doesn't find out things as life develops and go, Oh, wow, if I had known that... I wouldn't have put them there and I wouldn't, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, that's how men do. But our great Jehovah God, He knows the end from the beginning. How many believe it? And His wisdom is perfect. And when He says it, it's perfect the first time and needs no amendments nor updates throughout the eons. He's the only one that can do that. Because all of us are finding out more about it all the time. His gifts and his callings, his call are without repentance. So I'm going to bring up a question tonight and we'll believe to answer it as the Lord would help us. You are called to a specific place given specific graces and gifts. Can you lose that place? Go over to 1 Corinthians. Let's let the scripture answer it. 1 Corinthians 9. If his gifts and callings are irrevocable, is it possible to lose your place? 1 Corinthians 9 and 27. Paul said by the Spirit, I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What does he mean? I could become a castaway. Well, if Paul could become a castaway, we could become a castaway. Listen to the Young's literal translation. Young's literal translation says, I chastise my body, I bring it into servitude, lest by any means, having preached to others, I myself may become disapproved. Disapproved. Today's English version. Today's English version says, I harden my body with blows and bring it under complete control to keep myself from being disqualified after having called others to the contest, disqualified, everybody say disqualified, Disqualified. Paul very plainly said, even after I've had visions of the head of the church, I've seen the dead raised under my ministry, I've preached to the known world, if I don't keep myself under control, I could wind up disqualified. Disqualified from what? Look in uh, Jude 5. Just one chapter in Jude. Jude 5, one chapter. He said, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believe not. Well, now that is the answer to once saved, always saved. Well, brother, I just believe if you were foreordained to be saved, that once you are saved, you could never be lost. Well, you just ignore Scripture. You can be saved as long as you want to be saved. But you don't lose your will just because you got saved. And if you still got a free will... That means you could choose to reject the Lord. Doesn't it? If you can't reject Him, then you lost your will. And He's reminding them because things were being taught wrong. And He said, I want to remind you. And He gives a couple of big examples here. He said, you know, God saved all of them out of Egyptian bondage. And He brought them out. But then later, they were all lost. And destroyed in the wilderness, even though he's the one that brought them out? Was that his will? No, it was his will for them to go into the promised land. Did it please him? No, no. But they got a free will. And here's the other example the angels, which kept not their first estate, or they didn't keep their place, they left. Their own habitation he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness until the judgment of that great day. Did they lose their place? Why did they lose their place? They left it. And when they left it, they lost it. Can you lose your place? Yeah, you can. You can be disqualified. But do you need to be in fear that you're going to lose your place? No. As long as you will hold to your place and you want to stay in your place, you will be secure. The Lord is able to keep you from falling. Keep you to stand. But let us not act ignorant that we lost our will and that nobody could, could give up their place. I'm going to show you more than one example in the New Testament and in the whole of Scripture. Of people that lost their place. Why are we talking about it tonight? So you can have a strong foundation of the word of God in you. So that it never happens to you. You never lose your place. I'm not planning on losing mine. How about you? You don't want to live in ignorance do you? Don't you want to know how people lose their place? You know I'm I'm a pilot. I fly and Phyllis, you know, laughs at me sometimes because I study accidents. I study them all the time. Something happens, I want to know. Is it because I'm planning on having an accident? I'm planning on never having any. <laughs> but is it foolish to say, ah, oh, you know, that guy's been flying for 30 years, but, you know, uh, that'll never happen to me because I'm just a better pilot. Well, hmm. Uh-uh. What'd he do? What didn't he do? There's something better than learning from your own mistakes. <laughs> I watch videos. I read uh, dry transportation board summaries. That's what Phyllis laughs about. She looks, oh, man. Sometimes I read them to her. And she goes, oh, Okay. <laughs> Do I have to? Yeah. Listen to this. But I'm building a wall of protection inside myself, that's right. so that if that situation ever arose, I would know. Don't do this. <laughs> do this. So I'm prepared, and I'm ready. And that's what we're talking about tonight. Are you interested? We're going to look at people that lost their place and you're going to be awake and alert and you're going to be taking notes inside and out and you're going to say, okay, they did that, I ain't never doing that. And then they did this, I'm never doing that. And if you do that, then you will never even come close to losing your place. But we're not going to live in a dream world and act like it can't happen. The Weymouth's translation of this says, The angels who did not keep the position originally assigned to them, but deserted their own proper abode. Today's English version says, The angels who did not stay within the limits of their proper authority, but abandoned their own dwelling place. They left their place. They went outside the limits of their authority. And they lost it. They lost it. And you know, there's a whole teaching right there that I won't necessarily get into unless the Lord directs me to. But a lot of times that's how it happens. People are not happy or satisfied with their place and they get deceived. And they ignore their limitations and try to exercise authority and control out beyond their place and wind up losing their place. How many times people have lost a job overdoing that? How many times people were offered an area to develop in, but then they got to big britches. Got to big heads, started trying to act like a big shot. And did things they were not authorized to do. And messed it all up. Lost it. And some charismatics are some of the worst because they'll do it and then act defiant and say, Well, the Lord told me to. i got to do what the Lord tells me to. And they exceeded the limits of their authority. And lost their place. Selah. Go to Hebrews please. The, the 12th chapter. Let's read about somebody. That lost their place. Hebrews 12. And 14. Follow peace. With all men and holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently. Lest any man. Do What? Fail of the grace of God. Now, haven't we been talking about graces and places? Can God give you grace and yet you fail of using it and enjoying it and developing in it? That's a sad thought, isn't it? Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And friend, that is the consistent indicator of people that are failing of the grace of God. You will find bitterness. Bitterness. Bitter. People have lost their job. They lost their place. They got let go. They got fired. They got this and that. Not because of any other reason, except they wouldn't do what they were told, or they had another idea or this or that, and now they're out of their place and they're out of their grace and they're not developing and they're unhappy and dissatisfied and unfruitful. And what does that tend towards? Bitterness. They get bitter. And they get to talking about it and if anything about uh, the people they were associated with or the place or any of it comes up, oh man, you see their countenance change and venom comes out. Uh, I'll tell you this. Bitter. What's happening when a person is bitter? They are failing of the grace of God. And he mentions one of the most outstanding examples of this. He said, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. He was what? Didn't that sound like what Paul was talking about? Lest I should be a castaway? Disqualified? Disapproved? Rejected? For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Repentance means change. At that point... He couldn't change it. Does that mean God doesn't love him anymore? No. Does it mean God wouldn't forgive him? No. Does it mean God changed his mind? No. But he's no longer qualified for this. And he, no matter how much he cries, he can't change it. He lost that blessing that should have been his, didn't he? That inheritance, he did. What did he do? How did he lose it? I know this is sobering thinking tonight, but it's Bible too. And we need to hear the whole counsel of God, don't we? Not just what makes you shout and run the aisle. We need to hear all of it. So we're going to go through with it, right? right? Though he sought it carefully with tears. Look in Genesis 25. Let's remind ourselves of exactly what he did. We're going to find out why they crashed. So we don't never crash. <laughs> Genesis 25. Down about 30. 29. Jacob sawed pottage. Esau came from the field. And he was faint. Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray you, with that same red pottage, for I'm faint. Therefore was his name called Edom, which means red. Jacob said, well, sell me this day your birthright. He didn't have a right to ask him that. And he shouldn't have asked him that. But even though, and and this is an interesting thing. Even though he shouldn't have asked him that, it reveals that he values it. You will find respect for the things of God in some of the strangest places. You'll find people that's doing all kind of stuff they ought not be doing, but something will come up and you'll find they'll stand at attention and they'll show more respect for the things of God than people that go to church every Sunday. (laughs) And here's a guy we know from other scriptures. He was a liar. He was a deceiver. You talk about a shyster and a smooth operator underhanded and none of that's right and yet there was something in him that was right it was his respect for the blessing of God he believed in that blessing he believed if you had the blessing of God on you man you had it made you'd be a success some sinners have more faith in some of the things of God than some church folks do He said, sell me your birthright. Esau said, look, I'm at the point to die. And what profit, what good shall this birthright do to me? He said, Jacob said, well, swear to me today. And he swore to him. He said, sure, I swear to you. I sell you my birthright today. Fine. And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. And thus Esau what? He did what? He despised despised his birthright. And later on, years later, when he saw that birthright and that blessing coming on his brother, he realized what a mistake he had made and he wanted it and he wanted to get it back and he cried and he prayed and he couldn't get it back. Because he did what? So number one here, how do people lose their place? by despising it and you see that's what the holy spirit was warning us even in our text passage when the ear said well because i'm not an eye what good is what i am and what i do i'm not even part of the body i don't amount for anything what is that that's despising yeah. Yeah. what your call is and what your opportunity is and what your place is I think I told you this last week or two, but it'll bear repetition right here. I was out of town in another meeting, and I was sitting at a table with some ministers. and We were talking about the things of God and how blessed we had been to sit under Brother Hagin's ministry. You know, not only was I in every seminar and every meeting that he had for... 20 some years but it was my job to monitor his classes and and to review all of his videotapes and i mean thousands of hours i guess and the lord he made me aware he said do you know there's people in the world never even heard one good message on faith never even heard one and i thought lord and i've heard all of this and I began to say, well, why, why me, Lord? Why have I had opportunity to hear so much and see so much? And he spoke to my heart. I don't mean to heard an audible voice, but he said to me, he said, Keith, I knew you would value it. And I do. I was telling Phyllis and I were talking about this very thing today about you. Yeah, we talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly good. <laughs> it's almost always just good. Even if it's not, we're believing for good to come <laughs> to help fix it. <laughs> we won't quit till we find the good. But you know, why the Lord send us here? He could have sent us, uh, we were talking about something and the Lord gave me a revelation. There was some people that had been wanting me to come. And do a certain thing. And I hadn't gone. And I hadn't gone. Hadn't done it year after year. And the Lord showed me. That I had ministered something to them before. And they didn't value it. And I hadn't put the two together. Until it just came. And I realized. Well. Why would he send me. If they're not going to value it. And I thought about you. (laughs) And he began to show me. Why he sent us. To you. Because he knew you would value it. He knew you would esteem it. And it would mean. Because there's a lot of people in the world, they wouldn't sit and listen to this. They think, Are you kidding? I could be getting drunk. I could be chasing a woman. I could be doing this or that, you know? I'm going to go sit in church and listen to somebody talk about the Bible. But you value it. Am I telling the truth in here, friends? You that's why you and I are in here together. That's why this church is here. That's why the Lord sent us here instead of Europe somewhere, Australia. For us and for you, we had a divine appointment. Thank you, Lord. Because he knew we valued it and he knew you would value it. And so our life is just getting better and better. Glory to God. And it's gonna get better. And better. But oh friend. We ought to be warned. That we never begin to take it for granted. Did you hear me? And begin to think. Treat it lightly. Take for granted that we have got a great church. Take for granted that the Lord gives us anointing and revelation. And his presence is manifest. And he shows us things. And especially after you've received so much. You can get to thinking, well, this is just my life, and this is just what happens for me. and it's how it's supposed to be. It is the greatest privilege. Yes. It is the greatest honor. Yes. And your blessing, yes. you should treasure. Yes. And the place God has given you, yes. you should treasure. Because to fail to esteem it puts you in danger of losing it. I know one of the first parts I had with Brother Hagin's ministry, I worked, they opened the Prayer and Healing Center in 1982. May of 1982. And and uh, myself and a lady were the two individuals they selected from thousands to be involved in that and started. And uh, I'm just a country boy from Mississippi and I don't, I hardly knew anything about the Bible or much of anything, and and why? How did I wind up there? And the Lord showed me years later. Brother Hagen announced it. He said, "We're going to open a prayer and healing center, and we're going to train people to minister to the sick." And he talked about divine healing technicians and diagnosing cases spiritually, like doctors do naturally, and ministering healing to people. And and man, when I heard that, I thought, oh. Wouldn't that be the greatest thing in the world? And I looked around; there were a whole room full of people. I thought probably everybody in here feels the same way as me. And the Lord told me later, He said they didn't. <laughs> they didn't. Some of them thought, "Hmm, that's interesting." Others thought, "Hmm, ho hum. Let's get to the message." Well, that was part of my call, but can you see what goes with it? Who gets? The precious things of God. The Bible said don't give your pearls before swine. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs or cast your pearls before swine. He's not calling people names, pigs and dogs. What does he say? Pigs have no appreciation for pearls. They don't value them any more than a pebble. Dogs don't discern between holy or unholy. They don't know any difference. And so you should not give it. Who is God going to give the precious things to? Help me out, friends. Who? Who? The people that esteem them. Who's going to get to help with God's special projects? Who's going to get to rub shoulders with God's generals? And His men and women that have the strong anointings and the great revelations and are on the cutting edge of what God is doing in the earth. Who's going to get to do that? Help me out. Who? Who? Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled the right and the holy things of God. The people that value it. The people that say ho-hum and no big deal and they ought to be glad I showed up. They're in danger of losing their place. And somebody else getting the blessing they should have had. But as for me, ain't no rock going to cry out (laughs) in my place. Because I'm going to praise the Lord with my mouth while I have breath and any being. And there may be folks that's smarter than me and more graced and more good-looking than me, but I'm going to see to it that it's just going to be hard to find anybody that's any more grateful than me and any more thankful than me and anybody that values it and appreciates it any more than I do. And that will secure me (laughs) from losing my place. The Lord's helping us tonight. The devil is a despiser. He's a scoffer. He's a mocker. He wants to belittle and demean everything. That's why the phrase, whatever, is a devilish phrase. I don't care if it comes out of the mouth of a teenage girl or who it comes out of. It's a devilish phrase. Because that mentality is a despising expression. Whatever. What does that mean, whatever? Whatever means I don't respect it. It's no big deal to me. I don't care. And if you don't care, you can be passed over. If you don't care long enough, you can lose something precious that you should have had. Somebody say, I care. (laughs) it does matter to me. I value what the Lord has given me. I mean, I thanked God all night that night when he told me that. He said, Keith, I knew you would value it. He told me something else. He said, and I knew you'd do something with it. Why give it to people that don't value it and appreciate it? Why give it to people that won't do anything with it? And he knows the hearts of every one of us. What we'll receive and what we want. So it begins to shed light on to him that hath, shall more be given. Him that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he seems to have. And if you read the whole passage, it describes the person that values it and treasures it and does everything they can with it. To that person, he will give more. Do we want more? Somebody say, I treasure it. I, treasure it. I so appreciate, I so appreciate every, opportunity every opportunity the Lord has given me to serve Him. Serve I magnify, I magnify my, place. my place. Hallelujah. Isn't that what Paul said? I, I magnify my office, my place. Go with me to uh, Acts, the first chapter. I know some of this is not skim milk. <laughs> but well, we've been going on this for years now. We ought to be able to pull out at least a chop steak once in a while, right? I mean something <laughs> that you'd have to use your teeth for, right? I mean, <laughs> so I may have to chew on that for yeah, sure, that's what you do with meat. You chew on it. Chew on it and get all the flavor out of it. Eventually swallow it. Gets in you and becomes part of you. Yeah, you're supposed to chew it. Chew it. Anybody chew (laughs) it? Chew it. (laughs) Esau lost his place. Bible fact. Later on he tried to get it back. He couldn't. It was too late. Didn't mean God didn't love him anymore didn't mean god wouldn't forgive him but he had disqualified himself for it this is something that people don't seem to understand i've talked to ministers about this i was in a conference last year and room full of ministers (laughs) and i got on this and it got quiet brother i mean (laughs) and uh afterwards some of them talked to me said "Whoa, brother keith that was strong But we need to know the truth. I told them. If they're a pastor. And the men and the women and and the, the children come to that church. And trust them. And believe in them. And put their money in there. And trust them to be led with it and do what they're supposed to do. And they pocket that money. They're not qualified to be a pastor. If the men come and and let their wives sing in the choir, and and work in the offices, and, and you sleep, and have relation with their wife or their daughter, you're not qualified to be a pastor. These men trust you. These people trust you with the money. Now that doesn't mean that God won't forgive you. It doesn't mean that you're not called. But if you're going to do that, no matter how, What kind of call or anointing or grace that you have on you. And God never changes his mind about that. You're not qualified. That's what Paul was talking about. If I don't keep my body under control. Even though I've had these visions. And I've preached. And I've had all these miracles and anointing. I could wind up being disqualified. You can be forgiven. And still be disqualified. For a place. Doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Doesn't mean he's holding it against you just means you're not qualified for that now that didn't mean that you couldn't recover you could prove yourself couldn't you but some people don't seem to understand that they think well you know i should just retain all my uh, responsibilities and everything no change should be made no you've disqualified yourself it's sober in here i know don't you expect me not to sleep with your spouse or your daughter? Yes. Or God forbid, your son? Yes. Don't you? Yes. Isn't that a minimum yes. you ought to expect out of me? Yes. Right? Yes. Don't you expect me not to lie to you? Yes. Or still pocket the money that's supposed to go in the building fund? Yes. Right? Yes. That's a minimum. If I'm not going to do that, then no matter what kind of call I got on my life, I'm disqualified. And if I if somebody messes up, don't misunderstand me now. I'm not saying they could never hold an office again or preach again or pastor again. You can. God may send you somewhere else. You might need to do something else or serve under somebody else for a while. You need to prove yourself that people can trust you, that you have quit lying, that you have quit yielding to the flesh like that. Are you listening? That you are trustworthy. And if you really do repent, repent doesn't mean cry because you got caught. Repent doesn't mean feel bad. What does repent mean? Anybody know? Change. And see, that's what Esau. He prayed and cried with tears trying to find a place of change. But he didn't find it. Because he didn't change. Year after year after year after year. And you go year after year and won't change, won't change, won't change. Well, even though God loves you and he forgives you and you're saved and he's not holding it against you. But you can get to the place where you can forfeit things that you should have had, that should have been yours. You do it long enough and uh, repeatedly enough, and you can get to the place where you can't get it back. You'll go to heaven. You're saved. But you lose that place and opportunity that you had. Do you understand the difference between being forgiven and being qualified? Not the same thing. People, you know, get in my face and say, well, you're supposed to forgive me. I said, I already did. Well, put me back. No. (laughs) You lied to me too many times. Not saying I won't ever trust you. But, you know, somebody lies to you nine times in a row. And you just let them keep lying to you for the next three years. You're a fool. As a shepherd, I have a responsibility. If I know people. Are doing things that's hurting the people in our congregation. I must not just let it go. I love them too. But if they're doing things that's hurting our people. They're not qualified. To be in these places. That doesn't mean you can't change. You can re- I don't care if you messed up terribly. You can repent. What does repent mean? Everybody help me out. What does that mean? That means from that day forward, you never tell another lie. From that day forward, you wouldn't steal if you're starving to death. You changed. And if you do and you prove yourself over a period of time, you can be qualified again. Can't you? And God didn't change his mind. The calling and gifts are still there. And you could serve again. You could be restored. If you repent. Somebody say repent. A lot of folks don't repent. They cry. They use up boxes of tissues. They want to counsel for 20 hours. But they don't change. Why am I talking about this? Why are we studying these accident reports? We're going to learn from their mistakes. So that we never. Somebody say never. Never. We never do this. We are going to value and esteem and thank God for our place. It was on me so strong this week. You know, we were down at the Copeland's and the minister's conference, and they just treat us like royalty, man. And, and you know, I just, they set me on the front row, and they let me speak in the conference and, and pull my plane in the hangar. And, and what should I say? What should I? How should I think? Thank you. Oh, God. Letting me rub shoulders with these, these people. These are leaders. These are leaders. The, all of these are, are pastors and, and leaders. And, and who am I to stand up and, and speak to them? And, and how many th- think you should say thank you? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, God, you're so good to me. You're so good to me. You're so good to me. Thank you. Thank you for that. How many know if you're doing anything... That's affecting the kingdom of God, you ought to be thankful. How many feel like the psalmist when he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness? One translation says, I'd rather stand in the door, (laughs) just be there. There, instead of the finest of the fine of the world, if it has to do with the, the things of God, there is no menial unimportant, insignificant anything. Are you thankful? Somebody say, I'm thankful. I, I value my opportunity to serve, my place, to do His will. Friend, never let it become commonplace to your old hat or, or take it for granted or despise it in any degree or else You could be in danger of losing it. Somebody say, I'm not going to. Did you find the other scripture? Acts 1. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Master. You're so good to me. Acts 1. 15. In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spoke before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and he had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst. And all his bowels gushed out. What a bad way to die. That's not the death of the righteousness. not the death of an apostle of the Lamb. You know he was. I said, did you know he was? Out of all the thousands upon thousands that were disciples of the Lord, the Lord picked him as one of the twelve. It was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in their tongue, proper tongue, as Seldama, that is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric, his oversight, let another take. Did he lose his place? He did. He lost his place. Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time of the Lord Jesus that went out in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection? And they appointed two. Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two you have chosen that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas, by transgression, fell, that he might go to his own place. Listen to other translations of this. Verse 20 in the today's English version says, It is written in the book of Psalms, May his house become empty and no one live in it. May someone else take his place of service. Someone else take his place of service. The NIV May another take his place of leadership. Another take his place of leadership. Think about this, friends. Could he have been with them in the upper room on the day of Pentecost? Could he have traveled with them? And preach the gospel. Could Judas have been named. In the account of the book of Acts. Yes. He's one of the twelve. Did Jesus make a mistake. Picking him. No he didn't. But Judas has a free will. Why did Esau. Lose his place. Help me out. He despised. What God gave him. He didn't value it. He didn't treasure it. He said ah pff. Whatever. Yeah, you can have it. Give me some porridge. What's the deal? This this ain't going to help me. Oh, Lord, how can I say this properly? Judas, why did he lose his place? What were we talking about during the offering? Covetousness. Which basically means he loved something else more. He wanted something else more, didn't he? What did he want? Now, I know it sounds incredible to us to think that he would really choose money over being with Jesus. But he did. People try to complicate it, but it's not any more complicated than that. He came to the leaders of the Jews and he said what will you give me and I'll turn him over to you didn't he say that so what's this about and they said well we it was a negotiation we'll give you this and I don't know if they went back and forth or not but they agreed on the sum of the 30 pieces of silver and I think about we've been teaching and meditating for weeks on this graces and places Judas was born as a newborn infant. He was nursed. They changed his diaper. He grew up as a little boy. As a young person, he wondered why he was on the planet and what he was doing here and what he would do when he grew up. And he was involved in different things and no doubt looked up in the night sky at the stars and felt like there was a bigger purpose and and that he was born surely for some reason And it all came together when he met Jesus. Didn't it? Man, everything that he had been hungry for and longing for. God led him at the right place at the right time. And Jesus selected him. And gave him a place. And no doubt had trained him. In the area of handling finances. And he became the treasurer. For Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus of Nazareth Evangelistic Ministry Association. (laughs) Didn't he? And oh, the meetings he was in. And the miracles he saw. And the sermons he heard. And one-on-one time with Jesus. Are you listening to me, saints? One-on-one time with Jesus. Now, both the case with Esau and the case with Judas overlap. You see the both reasons in both examples. This was already working in him when that woman came and broke that alabaster box of ointment and dumped it on him. And he should have been happy about it, shouldn't he? He should have said, oh, praise God. Look at her. Look at her heart. And she loves Jesus, don't she? She honored him. Should have moved him. He should have been glad. But he wasn't happy. He was upset. And he scoffed and said. "Ah, What a waste. What do you mean what a waste? Wasted on who? What a waste? He said this was wasted. Just putting this on Jesus like that. Is a waste. No wonder. Just not long after that. He's talking to them, negotiating them about money to sell Jesus out. Why? Something's happened to him. Now, friend, think about this. If this could happen with Jesus and somebody personally involved with him, it could happen with any other church or ministry or saints. Are you all with me, friends? And if we think we're immune to it and it could never happen to us, then we're kidding ourselves. When the Lord warns us and cautions us about something, like we said, we better take heed. What's the, the problem? What's the danger? Help me out, saints. What's the danger? Despising the holy and precious thing that you've been given and longing for something else. Oh, come on. Can you see it? Wanting something else. It's the, it's the classic example of the grass being greener. On the other side, what's, what's he got in his mind? He wants money. For what? He's going to buy him some land. He's going to get him a place. He's going to do something. With his money. He's got a plan. And he thinks about that. And he delights in that. And he longs for that. And he sets his heart on that. And the more he does the more this being with Jesus irritates him. Oh, friends, is everybody awake in here tonight? Are you listening? Come on, if it could happen with Jesus, certainly could happen with anybody else that the Lord would join together. Irritates him. Well, why did he do that? Why didn't he take that offering? Why did he say that? So he's sitting there judging everything Jesus says. Remember what's the indicator of somebody about to lose their place? Bitter. I've never said some of these things like I'm saying tonight. It's not me saying them. What's the indicator of somebody about to lose their place? I've never said that before. Bitterness. Bitterness. When a person's bitter, they find fault with everything. Why'd they do that? Why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? And then when that woman came and and dumped out that $20,000 box of women, he couldn't shut up. He couldn't stay quiet any longer. Ah! What a waste! That could have been sold and given to the poor. You greedy, lying, hypocrite. Am I telling the truth or not? Does he care about the poor? He's a liar. No. And he had that money so much on his mind. Until he couldn't sleep. He went back and he laid in bed. Tried to figure out how he could get some money. How he could get some. And the devil was right there to help him. You know they'll pay. They put the word out. If anybody knows where Jesus is. And where he stays. And where he goes. They'll pay. They'll pay money. And this traitor gets up on his own. Nobody's making him and goes to them. And says, "Uh, I know Jesus real good and I know where he goes. And I can lead you to him. They say, great. He said, but it's going to cost you. How much will you pay me? He is choosing money Over what? How blind he has become. Where are those other original 12 apostles right now? Where are they? Their names are written in the foundation of the eternal walls of heaven. He lost his place. And that's why they're praying right here and saying, Lord, which one of these two are going to take his place? Because he's lost. He died young. He died wrong. He lost his place. Somebody say, not me. me. By the grace of God, God. not me, me. I love the Lord Lord. More more than anything. More than anything. Stand up on your feet right now and just lift up your hands. Begin to tell the Lord that you love him. And he means more to you than anything and everything. Go ahead. Just lift up your hands. Lift up your voice. Say, Lord, nothing, nobody, nothing even comes close to be more important than you are to me or your things or your place. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge